We're in the middle of a series this month on courage to respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're using uh, Psalms 37, verse 23, as our main text. It reads as follows, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. God leads and guides you. God orders your steps. Not only does he order your steps, he delights in your ways. Uh, well, look at your device. Your amen is not convincing at all. I was telling them in the first service, you know, I don't know if you know from research that they found out that there are people in certain parts of Europe who are not a happy crowd. You know, they're not, they're not very happy people, and it's because of the weather. You know, most of the time their weather is like this. It's cold, it's gloomy, there's no sunshine. That's why they like coming to Africa, you know, there's no sunshine. And so not only are they gloomy, they also commit suicide. You know, there's a high, the highest rates of suicide are there. So tell your neighbor, it's only for today. You're in Africa, so don't be so sad. It's only for today. The New Living Translation reads, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. So God not only is he interested in your spiritual life, he's interested in every detail of your life. Can you imagine? That's how God loves you. He's interested in your spiritual life. God is interested in your physical welfare, your financial welfare. God is interested in your relationships. God is interested in your career. You know, God is interested in your visions, in your dreams. Not only is he interested, he delights in you. Some of you, you don't believe it. You don't look like God delights in you. Tell your neighbor who's not saying anything, God delights in you, you know. Yeah. And because God delights in us, it says that he directs our steps. He orders our steps. And we talked about that in the introduction to show how God guides us. So the purpose of this series is to show us from God's word how God works in us. Secondly, we're going to discuss three areas in our lives where God is working in us. In these three areas, God is trying through these three areas to move our lives into more maturity and to move our lives forward in our walk with God. God is interested in you. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? All right, in the introduction, we showed how God works in us. We use that scripture in the book of Philippians where it says, it is God who's working in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Last week, we used John 9, 4 as our main text where Jesus says, I must work the works of God whilst it is still day, for the night comes when no man can work. And what Jesus was saying in essence is that we need to know how to maximize our time on earth. You know, God will always move you and push you forward so that you can maximize your time on earth. Because, you know, time is running out on us. We're getting older. Look at the neighbor who's sitting next to you and say, I know you don't want to hear it, Mara. You are, you are one day older than yesterday. Amen. Yeah, we're getting older. You know, I remember we once had a, a team of people visit us here in our church some years ago, and I won't go into explicit details as to who they were. And... Uh, Actually, we had a guest speaker who had come with a group of people from their church. And for some reason, I don't know why they decided uh, that as, after he preached, they came to sing here. 
you know, and, and these were people who were kind of senior, you know, they were grown up, you know, and no, no problem in them singing. So they were doing this, and the other one, and then, then they realized they must get up. <laughs> hey! They actually fell on the they fell on the platform. Boom! Can you know this person? You know, and you know when you are getting older, you don't realize. Amen. You know, I always look at these young people when they dance and they go down and they go up, and I say, do it as much as you can, young people. One day, yeah. one day, time you won't get up. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you got to maximize your time here on earth. Amen. Do what you should do where you are right now. There are certain abilities you have. If you don't use them now, you'll regret when you get to a certain age. So we talked about that last week. But today, we want to talk about how to live what I call A-level Christianity. And I wanted this to be this week because, you know, we all have been kind of glued to our television, not all of us, but many of us, watching the World Cup. And I thought it would be good for us to use this Sunday because, you know, today is the, is the final match between Croatia and France. I don't know who you are hooting for. But, you know, we've been watching now for several weeks and looking at athletes who are performing at the highest level. I tell you. These guys are performing at the highest level. And I like to watch sports, and I always, you know, want to encourage young people to be involved in some form of sport or some form of competitive something. Because, you know, there's something about that that teaches you, teaches you life lessons. You know, you have to learn that. And, and, you know, to play at that level, you know, you've got to practice at a certain level. I mean... I mean, you know that, and, and I know you may not know who I'm talking about, but, you know, some countries didn't even qualify. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You know, you, know, you know what I mean? Some countries didn't even qualify. But when you look at people playing at that level, you kind of know, if you listen to the story behind the story, what is happening. All right? And then next week, we'll talk about Occupy Till Jesus Comes, but we're not going to look at that today. Let's talk about living A-level Christianity. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Hebrews 5, 14. It reads, But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, if you were to read from the first verse, Paul was really, well, what can I say? He was really rebuking these Christians about their lack of growth. He's saying, you know, I've been preaching to you, but you guys are not getting matured. With all the efforts I've been putting into trying to teach you and show you, you're not growing. In fact, even when I come to you, I can't even teach you lessons for, of, of spiritually matured people. I have to feed you, and he uses the simile of children. He says, I have to feed you with milk. I can't even feed you with meat. Because you are still children. You, when I come, I have to go down a level and feed you with milk. He says, even now, 
He said, by now you should be teachers. But you still need someone to teach you. By now you should be leading others. But you still need someone to lead you. He says, of course, after all, strong meat belongs to those who are of full age. But then he says, this, those who are of full age, the reason they are of full age is because they have, have their senses exercised to discern both, between both good and evil. They've used God's word in their life that it has brought them to that place where they are spiritually matured. Let me read it to you in another translation. The New Living Translation says it even better. He says, solid food is for those who are matured. I mean, he uses an analogy even spiritually, this is true. He says, who through training, somebody say training. training. Say it again. Training. Say it one more time. Training. Who through training, note, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. See, it is training that brings certain disciplines. It is training that pushes you to certain levels. Let me read another translation. The, 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 the common Jewish Bible, that's CJB, it's common Jewish Bible, complete Jewish Bible, not common. <laughs> Verse 14 says, but solid food is for the matured. Now watch this now. For those whose faculties have been trained. Somebody say faculties have been trained. Their faculties have been trained by what? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Their faculties have been trained by what? In other words, you know, when you exercise continually, you can push your body to a level where there are certain things you can do that others can do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm all, you know today is the, is the final with the tennis at Wimbledon. And wonderful South Africa, Kevin Anderson is there competing among the first time in the history of Wimbledon where we have somebody in the finals as South Africa. I was Kevin. I was one less bonge, Bagit. I was one less bonge, eh But he had a very tough match playing Isna in the semifinals. Six hours almost. Just five hours and 50 minutes. Almost six hours they played. Six hours. You know, our children used to play tennis, so I understand a little bit about that. If you go play at those tournaments, if you watch some of these players, you'll find that by the end of the tournament, they kind of wrap their fingers in tape. They tape, tape them around. Because after having played so many matches with that intensity, you develop blisters. Yeah. When they hit that ball, there's blisters. Yeah. And, I mean, six hours. Can you imagine playing six hours nonstop? Some of you can't run six minutes. <laughs> Serious, you, you can't. Six hours, hitting the ball, running this way, and I mean, they, they, they tied the set, there were, you know, two sets up, and the last set, which is the decider, you know, they played, and they had to play the tie break. And I don't know how many of you know how, what was the score, it was 26-24. I mean, I tell you, that is something. When I look at them and I'm thinking, you know, to perform at this level, talk to them, they'll tell you. They've been practicing for months, they eat special diet, and every day they go to the gym, and then after the gym they go and practice playing, 
They have a physiotherapist. They have a coach. They have a motivational speaker. They have hey, church to perform at that level. Look at us. We want to perform for God at a high level. But we, we don't even read the Bible every day. Look at the neighbor and say, I can see from you, no, no amen from you. You look like the weather. Hmm? Look, look at us, Pastor Look at us. We want to perform at a high level, but we're not training at that level. Which means if you practice and you put your heart to it, you can perform at certain levels. At whatever level you are at is the choice you have made. Now you can't blame it on anybody. These athletes, when you watch them perform, you know, it was said that Serena Williams was knocked out yesterday. She, she lost, rather, in the final. Mara still, guys, I mean, really. I mean, what she has done is just out of this world. It's not, Serena Williams is not in the Bible. She's just trying to explain something. Some of you are looking at your Bible. No, they're not in that Hebrews chapter. <laughs> Somebody say continuous exercise. Continuous. Say it again, continuous exercise. Continuous. So it's only through continuous exercise and continuous training that maturity in Christ can be attained, as Paul says. So the words training and exercise are the key. And in all areas, I'm telling you, whether it's sports, it's in education, if you want to perform well in education, you need that. In business, you need that. In church, you need that. You don't ever get to have a good church and a great church in Jena by city. It's not going to work. You never ever get to be a great preacher just by sitting. It's not going to work. You've got to exercise. You've got to work hard. You've got to do more than what others are doing. Why? Because you want to play at A level. Can I hear an amen? amen. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. You remember Corinth? How many of you remember Corinth? Paul is using that analogy of what athletes do at the Olympics or in the stadia in Corinth to put it side by side with our spiritual life. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, we are reading the complete Jewish Bible. He says, don't you know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one wins the prize. So then, run to win. Paul says, don't just okay in a fella to run. Hmm? Decide that I'm going to be the one who's going to hit that tape and I'm winning. I don't know about you, Basil, and I was saying that in the first service, you know, all my life from childhood, I've always wanted to be among the top and the best. And so I would apply myself at school anywhere, apply myself. You know, even at school, we, 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 I never used to like sitting at the back. Now, people at the back, I'm not, I'm not talking about you, right? <laughs> I know sometimes, Barcelona, they misunderstand you. Ah, manje. I don't know about you, but in our schooling days, children who sat at the back used to be very naughty, and you couldn't concentrate and focus. Now, now, I'm talking about in our days. This is not our days now. So I never used to like sitting at the back, I, you know. And if we were given an assignment, you know, I would always work very hard. Shame. Some places I wasn't even gifted at all, but I 
really put in a lot of effort. <laughs> I've never been one who's a great artist. I'm not, I can't, you know, even today when I draw, hey, if I was to draw a face, you don't know where they are, fa- you don't know if they're looking this way or they're looking that way or they're looking at you. You don't know if it's a man or a woman, really, you, you, you just don't know. Even today when I draw. So, you know, in, uh, I think that when I was doing uh, uh, grade, uh, I'm trying to remember, is it grade seven or six? Grade six or grade four. Then we had this thing where we had to be creative, either make a kitchen unit out of planks or make a fish out of the horn of, a, of, a, of, a, of an ox or something. So I got this horn and I was going to make a bird. <laughs> <laughs> and I worked hard, Basalal. I really, really. And some guys were not even. You know, I started my project as soon as the teacher gave us the assignment. I went and bought and I started. Some of the guys were not even. They didn't care. They didn't buy. They didn't do anything. I worked hard. <laughs> At the end of that project, <laughs> my dad couldn't even stand up straight. I mean, <laughs> but at least I gave it my own. And the one guy who was talented, his bed, it was so beautiful. And he started two weeks after me. (laughs) But you know, the discipline of putting effort, Bazalana, is what we must all have. Paul says, be one of those. You don't just get into the race to run. You get into the race to win. He says, so then run to win. Verse 25. He says, every athlete in training submits himself to strict discipline. Then he says, he does it. Just to win a laurel wreath that will soon wither away. If you're not with the Olympics, they have this picture of this guy with a crown around their head. That's what they used to do in the days of Paul. After you won, they would put a crown on your head, but it was made out of uh, uh, grass and plants. So, I mean, you wear it, it's, it's beautiful that day, but a few days later, it, it's kind of, you know, it's withered. But imagine people put themselves through so much trouble, so much training, so much hard work just to get that thing. But Paul says, Mararuna, the one that we get, the crown that we get will last forever. So can you imagine the intensity we must put in our spiritual life? Hmm? I mean, much as I respect the athletes and they get the crowns and the trophies and so on, it's all the things that facilitate. The trophy that we are going to get is much more permanent than that. But that means if there are a people who should apply themselves, it's you and I. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 26, it says, accordingly, I don't run aimlessly, but I run straight for the finish line. I don't shed a box, but try to make every punch count. Verse 27, I treat my body hard and I make it my slave so that after proclaiming the good news to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So Paul is saying, we need to beat our body down. We need to treat it hard. We need to exercise it hard. We need to play at A level. So athletes who perform at that highest level, they train and compete at a level intensity. And that's the question. What's the intensity that you have in your life? You know, there are people who just do just enough to get along. Hmm? Some of us are happy to be average. 
should be happy to be average. Now, the lady, I mean, the average, I did We should be happy to be out there. A level training produces A level performance. Say it with me. A level. What does it do? But then the question is, how can we live A-level Christianity? So what I want to do, I want to take the lessons that we learn from athletes. This A-level performance. What do athletes do? What, what are the disciplines they've learned that make them to be that way? And we can learn from them. Well, the first thing you'll find is that what they do is to have discipline. Discipline. You know, if we don't have discipline in our lives, we'll never ever live as A-level Christianity. Christians. Never. First Corinthians 6.12, Paul says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Paul says, I'm not going to allow myself to be a sentimental person who's just governed by whatever comes. See? Shouldn't be that Christian that you are on a seesaw. One day when you wake up and you don't feel like praying, then you don't pray. One day when you wake up, you know, you don't feel like reading the Bible, you don't read the Bible. I'm telling you, there's people today who didn't go to church because of the weather. Serious. But I'm almost sure. And you know what, what has always amazed me is how we are so quick to discard our, our spiritual disciplines. Whereas, even when the weather is like this, we'll still go to work. Come on now. Even when the weather is like this, you still buy the tickets a lot on your badge. You get in there and say, oh, won't. <laughs> I've never understood it. Why is it that when it comes to our walk with God, it's small things that make people not go to church. When it rains, then no. Today, we say, what? But tomorrow, even if the weather is like this, you'll see them five o'clock in the morning. They'll be going to take sing. Yeah. With all the mist that was there today. But then, we want to be these Christians who are A-level Christians, right? Uh-huh. We want to see things happen in our lives. Mara, when it comes to the discipline, we don't have it. Yeah. Sometimes when I look around and I realize that, you know, if we're not faithful and disciplined to our call, it's going to be a problem. I always chuckle when people want to run churches, and I, I love it, you know, when people want to run a church. And, you know, we have a lot of young pastors coming up, and I'm so happy for them, and I'm always excited. And I just wait for them to lead a church just for one month. Just for one month. And then after that, we just talk. Hey, and then we're going to yeah, hey, Mar, Bishop, how do you do this? How did you manage this? How did, only then do they understand how much hard work is involved in running a church? Because you see, see, you see, if you don't know the story behind the story, it looks easy. Yeah. See, if you've never been a parent, you'll think parenting is easy. Yeah. 
sitting there criticizing your parents, but by favor. <laughs> uh, wait, 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 wait until you have children and you hear them tell you that we are favor. Yeah. Yeah. It's always easy to be a spectator, but it's very difficult to be a player. In the contemporary English version, it reads as follows. Some of you say we can do anything we want to, but I tell you that not everything is good for us. So I refuse to let anything have power over me. Discipline yourself. Don't allow your body to rule you. Don't allow your emotions to rule you when it comes to the things of God. Yeah. Don't allow any of those things to rule you. You know, winter time now, I was even thinking about it uh, and then laughing. <laughs> you know, it's soup time. You know, we, we, you know my, my bishop said it's a soup. It's so nice. It's very tasty. You know, and I, I remember the other day when I was eating, I remember when I was young, you know, at home, and my mom would uh, pay us up winter time. And uh, it was at this time where we had to study hard. Winter time. You wake up in the morning and have to study. And uh, the problem is we would always distract ourselves with the soup because those days we didn't have microwave ovens. To warm up the soup took very long. So you distract yourself with the soup, you know. And, and, and after you've eaten too much of it, then you, instead of studying, you fall asleep. Anybody knows what, I, <laughs> anybody knows what I'm talking about, you know. So it was always a problem. I'd, you know, for, yeah. But you know, I had a problem because I had to be studying uh, geography. Kana, what is it in Africans? Ardrakeskende. Huh? Ardrakeskende. We used to study geography in Africans, those the apartheid. Ardrakeskende. So I remember I had to study that section where we are talking about how rainfall happens. You know, convectional rain and, and all of that, how, you know, uh, 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 Evaporation happens and condensation happens and, and there's island Africans. And we had a teacher who used to teach us that and, you know, he had a very heavy Tosa accent, you know, and, and, and he didn't like Africans and, 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 and he did it on purpose. When he taught us in Africans what condensation is. In Africans, condensation is the condensasi. But he said it in a Tosa way, he said it's the condensansi. <laughs> <laughs> my teacher. <laughs> oh. So now, you know, and so I'd wake up in the morning, winter time, and I and I and I had to do art race candy. So I had a choice between the soup and the condensants. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a choice, and, and I would always default to the soup because the the condensants was too hard to understand. But you know, when you, when you lack discipline, you cannot default to what's easier. And after having eaten several bowls, couple of bowls of soup, I'd fallen asleep and I'd regret. You know, a month later, you haven't covered that chapter. And you would not write the condensants and you don't even know. Lack of discipline is so counterproductive. And hold so many people back. But these athletes, they're disciplined. They go to the gym even when they don't feel like it. They go play matches even when they're not well. I tell you. Secondly, the second thing athletes have is focus. They're very focused. 
focused on what they want to achieve, focused once they get on that game, they are very focused. If you don't have focus in your life, it's going to, it's going to truly disadvantage you in so many ways. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6.22. It's an amazing verse. He says, the light is the body of the eye. If therefore your eye be single, watch this now, your whole body shall be full of light. What is he saying? Jesus is saying, if you, if you don't have a single eye, somebody say a single eye. He didn't say if you don't have one eye, he just said a single eye. A single eye is, speaks of focus. And when he says, if you have a single eye, your whole body will be full of light. In other words, it is focus that will make you move forward in life. If you're someone who has no focus, you give up on some things you start, you never follow through, you have 10 things you want to do and you never do any of them, you'll never go anywhere in life. James says in James 1.8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. See, when, you, when you're a person of two minds, you're just not sure what you want. And you don't have focus. Note, it doesn't say you're unstable in some ways. It says you're unstable in all your ways. See, see certain disciplines, Barcelona, are the same in everything. Let me give you an example. Discipline is discipline. If you are disciplined, as an athlete, you can be disciplined in studying. You can be disciplined in your spiritual life. You can be disciplined in your relations. You can, see, certain attributes are... are, 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 are they cut right across. So if you've learned it, you'll succeed in everything. But conversely so, it's so true is that if you are undisciplined, and that's why when, when we choose people for leadership according to the Bible, it says we have to look for certain attributes. One of them is faithfulness. If someone is not faithful, it's, it cuts across. Even if you put them over money, they won't be faithful with it. They won't be faithful at their home. They won't be faithful in serving in their church. They won't be faithful at work. They won't be a faithful member of society. They're not going to be faithful. Same thing with focus. People who have no focus, who have no follow through, they become very unstable people. You can't rely on them. Because they don't have focus. Look at the neighbor say, the way you are quiet, it sounds like he's talking about somebody you know. Paul says in Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Not these ten things, this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. We've got to have focus, Bazalan. What is the one thing you want to do this year? What is the one discipline that you want to develop in your life? Stay with it until it becomes a part of your life. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Stay with it until it becomes a part of your life. Stay with it until it's part of your DNA. You know? But there are people who have no focus. This year it's at this, next year it's at this, next year it's at this. Wa enrola, wa enrola, wa jampa, wa kruha, wa yakwale, wa bua, wa chencha, wa stata, wa kwala. You just don't know. You know, you meet them in, 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 in five years, they've had 20 different jobs in five years. And everything they've started, Jose Foundation, Saleba Bagupa. I'm sorry, Saleba Chica. Ever since they dug a trench to build, then they abandoned that. And then they went there and they started there and abandoned that. And they went there. And you can't move forward in life like that. Thank you, my brother. Thank you for saying I'm right.
They are not saying amen. It looks like they don't like my sermon. But you know I'm still going to preach even if they don't say amen. You know that, right? Number three, refusal to be complacent. Athletes refuse to be complacent. When they go in there, they go there with a mind and a heart to do well and to win. Yeah. Listen what Paul says. In Revelation, I mean, listen what the Holy Spirit says to the church in Laodicea. Revelations 3, verse 15 to 16. So I wrote 17 there. He says, God says, I know what you're doing. You are neither cold nor hot. God says, how I wish you were either one or the other. Have you ever met people who are complacent? You know, they, they're, they're, not, they're not nasty, but they're, they're also not responsive. You know, not what they're not... They're, 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 how are you king? Oh, all right. Yeah. So why only so? fell. How many of you are sitting next to somebody with toileting fell? You just don't know what to do to these people. They can be in an environment which is a great environment, but it doesn't affect them. Nothing moves them. They're never happy. They're never sad. They're never angry. They're never anything. They never smile. They're never, they just. How many of you are sitting next to somebody like that? Throughout this sermon, they've never said amen to anything I've said. Just look at them and say, Listen to what God says. God says, I would, I would rather you were cold. God says, I would rather, I'd rather you, I'd rather you just reject me and walk away from me and just don't respond. Than Utengmara. God says, I'd rather you were cold and I'd rather you were hot. Instead of being complacent. Listen what it says in verse 16. It says, so because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. No, God, God, God doesn't like complacency. God doesn't like complacency at all. There's nothing as far as Jesus actually at that time, he was so angry with the people of his time, talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He says, I don't understand you. He said, you are like children sitting in the market, saying to their friends, we, 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 we mourned, but you didn't weep with us. We sang, but you didn't dance. He says, I cannot understand. John the Baptist came. He wasn't eating or drinking. He was fasting. You said he's a lunatic. I came, I'm eating, I'm drinking. You said I'm full of the devil. Levata. You know, there are some people who you don't know about that. And God feels very frustrated with complacency. We shouldn't be complacent, Bazalon. I said we shouldn't be complacent, Bazalon. Some of us, we need to shake ourselves from complacency. There's been a lot of good things around us, but we're not taking advantage of them. You've had lots of opportunities, but you're not taking advantage of them. You just sit in there. fail. Look at your neighbor and say, Tradar, Tradar, Tradar. Number what? Four. 
Not being overconfident. Athletes knows that they ought not to be too confident. Don't be overconfident. Sometimes you lose a match simply because you were quick to get certain points. I, I always remember the story of one young man during our tennis days when we used to take our kids. And he was telling one of our sons how he lost the match. You know, he, he was leading. They were playing three sets in tennis. He, he, he won the first set. The second set, he was playing the last game. You know, he was like uh, five, five love up. And then he's playing the last, the last point and he is 40 love up. And then he just concluded, Seki win. Yeah, he just concluded, oh, you know. And then the other guy, it came back. 40-15, 40-30, juice, advantage game, 5-1. And the other guy came, 5-2, 5-3, And then they tied, 6-6. Six, six. Then played the tie break, he, 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 the other guy won. It was one game all. And then they had to play the final set. And you know, it's so demoralizing when you know, I'm just one point away. And because of complacency, now you have to play another hour. He lost the match. Yeah. Yeah. Note what 1 Corinthians 10 says. It warns us. It says, in fact, if you read from 1 Corinthians 10 from verse 1, Paul is talking about what happened to former Christians, the lessons from them, how they walked with God, how they, God told them to live in a certain way, how God warned them about certain things. Some didn't listen and so on. And what happened to them as a result? And in verse 11, it says, these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our warning. You know, one of the things that is very interesting is how we never learn from history. You know, it always fascinates me when, when we do something that is not right, we kind of think, no, nah, it won't happen to me when I do this. You know, those years, the thank God is no longer happening. Where, you know, young people used to go, but was the last stuff. I don't know the each young in English. Train surfing. Is that what you call it? Yeah? It's man. I see train surfing, man. It's man. We used to watch them at Inclansana Station, you know? There were certain trains where they, these guys would, you know? So you'd see them doing their thing, you know? And, uh, and I mean, there had been many young people who died doing that. Many. Some of them, they fell under the train, they died. Some of them got up and they were electrocuted. You know, I mean, 250 volts in our houses. If you put your finger in there, I tell you. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but that thing with the, with the train is thousands of volts. And you know, we used to go there and watch, you know, and it used to be scary. And you know, all the time I'd think it will never happen to me. In our area, actually, there's one guy who got totally disfigured. Totally. Totally. He, he decided to go and do train surfing. Yeah. Yeah. So he got up on top of the train. I don't know what happened. He actually was lucky to be alive. But even if he was alive, I mean, his quality of life, shame. I mean, really. I mean, he, he, he was alive, Mara. He couldn't do anything anymore. Totally, that thing almost took him out. And I just thought, 
We always read about other people. Who, but why do we think it won't happen to us? Hmm? You're doing something that someone has done before. You, you know, we, there's, there's evidence, there's, there's data, there's proof. You, you've seen it, but you, you think it won't happen to you. <laughs> Last week Sunday, when we were coming back from, from, uh, from Pulukwane, on Sunday, the other, it's last week Sunday when I wasn't here, ne? Yeah, last week Sunday. And I saw, you know, the way some of these guys were driving. I call it the German cars. Most of the Vrpas. <laughs> and I mean, I see these guys overtaking on a solid line. You know, right on the, it's an incline. You can see, you're going up the hill. You can't see what's coming the other side. And this solid line is not just white. You know, is this solid line where it's white and there's yellow this side and yellow this side? And I see this guy coming. And I'm And I'm thinking, he thinks, he thinks he won't have an accident. That's stupid. Sorry, Kimurut, I'm not supposed to say that. But that's, that's misinformed. But don't be overconfident. Don't, don't think that it won't happen to you. When you see other Christians fall, don't think it won't happen to you. When you see people's home breaking, don't think it won't happen to you. It doesn't mean we must walk in fear to say, oh, but it means don't be, when you see other people going through trouble, be measured in your judgment towards them. When things are working out for you, don't look down upon those that is not working for them. If God grants you any form of success, don't walk around with a chip on your shoulder. Huh? Yeah. Don't be overconfident. Number what? Five. Athletes teach us to be composed. Composure. Composure. If you're going to take a penalty, you must be composed. That's why Russia missed it. They did well the other match where they... They were playing against what? Spain? Was it Spain? When they won against Spain? They did well with those penalties they scored. This time around, you could see they were not composed. See, if you don't have composure, you're going to have a problem. What am I talking about? In your life, you'll go through rough times. Well, how do you say it in English? Don't go up with the calf. I don't know how to say it in English. Tell your neighbor, don't go up with the calf. <laughs> <laughs> when you're going through a rough patch in your life, don't panic. God is away. I said, God is away. Learn to be composed. Learn to be composed. Have you learned when we're going through trouble, eh? And when we're praying, God, and then heaven is silent. And you're kind of thinking, why are you not answering? So you go on a fast. Wazila mm. <laughs> for seven days. Mm. <laughs> and you're praying hard. 
And heaven is silent. I'll tell you why God is silent. God knows how it's going to turn out. Yeah. I tell you. God knows that even if they can throw you into the fire, he's going to get into the fire with you. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. I said hallelujah. That's what David learned. He says, I was, I was young and now I am old. But throughout my journey, I have learned something. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. That's why he could say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will not panic because I know you are with me. Your rod and your staff will comfort me. Can I hear an amen in the house? Oh yeah. Be composed. Be composed. Ever since you applied for a job, they're not phoning you. Be composed. Oh, Jesus. Be composed. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 and 9. And I read the message Bible. I love it. He says, we've been surrounded and battered by troubles. But, somebody say but. but. Say it again, but. but. We, in, but. we are not demoralized. Yeah. We are battered by troubles. Things are not working. Even then I am not demoralized. Oh, Jesus. Some of you allow yourself to be demoralized. Come on, be composed. Don't be demoralized. Let's read further. Let's read further. He says, he says, we are not sure what to do. But we know that God knows what to do. <laughs> he says, we've been spiritually terrorized. But God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but come on, somebody. Are you here in the house? I said, even if they throw you down, you'll not be broken. Even if they ostracize you, you will not be broken. Even if they beat you up, you will not be broken. If you know what God is, you say, bring it on. God's gonna sustain me. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Don't panic. See, sometimes when things don't work, we abandon our vision and do something else. We give up on it. We, we start something else. We have this hurried spirit about us. One thing I've learned is that God always takes his time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The sisters by, by Lazarus, they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, come quickly. The one you love, He's sick. And we're not just so busy. So, when I want to talk about So, Jesus comes, half Hitler. You know that about home, Morana. If you were here, if you were here, our brother wouldn't have died. Jesus says, don't worry. I'm the resurrection and the life. Don't worry. It's 
instead of hearing him, but no, we know, Lord, that we will rise again when we have died. He said, no, no, no. And Jesus, Jesus realizes they don't get me. So he goes, where have you laid him? They say, but Jesus, he's already stinking now. He says, I didn't ask you if he's thinking or not. I'm saying, where has he laid you? Because God is never too late. God is never too early. I said, God is always on time. I said, if it doesn't happen this year, it will happen next year. If it doesn't happen this week, it will happen next week. Be composed. And he says, and Jesus groaned in the spirit. And he weeps. Jesus says, Where you laid him? He says, Bulangmo, Lazarus! Come forth! And he who was bound hands and feet, Kio Lazarus, is coming forth. I see your destiny coming forth. I see this coming forth in your life. And I'm here to tell you, be composed! Yeah. Too many times we, we give up on something that's the plan of God. We give up on something that is coming. God is working all things. All things work together for good for those who love God. God is he's working on it when you are sleeping. He's working on it when you are not aware. He's working on it even if it doesn't look like he's working on it. He's always on time. Can I hear an amen in this house? Be composed. Come on, give the Lord a big hand of praise, somebody in the house. Come on, if you're one of those who knows to be composed, give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Number what? Six. Playing hurt. What do I mean? Many of these athletes who get on that pitch carry an injury. They don't say, I'm not playing because I have an injury. <laughs> no. Injury and all. I'm going in there. Because they've learned. If I'm to be an A-level athlete, I must understand that even when I have an injury, I am going in there and I'm going to play. And then some of them go in there and you hear the, the guy saying he, he had this injury. The doctor said he'll be fine. And then second half you see them wheeling him off on a stretcher because the injury came back. And he's happy. He's not complaining. He's not saying this coach is brutal. No! And then he's waving his hand as he's going over the pitch because he understands if I'm going to play at this level, I must know how to play even when I'm hurting. You know, some of us, we allow small things to take our attention away. You know, I was very naive as a young pastor, to be honest. I somehow assumed that if you, are, if you are just a good pastor, and I try to be, if you are a good pastor, you know, nobody will ever complain. They will never say nasty things about you. That, I used to think that way, you know. You know, if you don't eat people's money, If you don't interfere, libo my susu, you know, you know, and all those things. I, I just thought people would just be nice. It was a shock of my life to realize that even with all of that, people will hurt you. 
They'll write things about you. They'll send you anonymous letters. They'll... And then as I went around, I'd hear these rumors about me. I've done this, I've done this, and I've never even heard those things before. How? And some of them tell it like it's the gospel truth. And some of them, they don't even know it's you they're talking about. Or, hey, Udwin. Really? <laughs> that pastor, Wako Grace. Have you heard? And you know, I used to cry so much those years because it used to hurt me. Oh, bad. My mother one day, you know, I wasn't married yet. My mother one day said, my son, you, you, you're going to try, you're you going to cry your, ear, your, your, your tears dry. When the whole Lanka thing, you'll run out of tears finally. Because, you know, it doesn't matter how much you cry, they, these things still come. And then I realized that if you behave like that, you allow what people say to control how you feel. I mean, you can start out with a good day until you hear a story about you, then all your, your day now is sour. And I thought, you know, if I react to these things, I'm giving my power away. I'm allowing people to determine how I feel. But then I realized, you know what? Being criticized, it goes with the turf. If you're a public figure, just get used to it, brother man. Let them talk doesn't change anything about what God's going to do. Oh, but some of you, you are so sensitive. Somebody sat in your chair. Somebody didn't greet you at the parking. I preached one sermon and said, he's talking about... But, but yet you want to be an A-level Christian? I'm amazed at the way people get offended at churches and leave churches over smaller one smaller thing and yet you've been working for that company for the last 10 years and they have offended you a million times and you never left you never left tell the truth it's not everything in your company that you like there's a lot of things they do there that you don't like same as your church there's things we do here that you may not like them and you never say anything negative about your 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 company marae church you know, these days it has become a popular thing to criticize pastors and criticize churches. Serious. I'm telling you, it's become so popular. I'm almost sure I didn't check the, new, the, the, the headlines today. It's probable there's one headline there that says, Pastor, this. And people fall into the trap and they criticize the church in Christ. And I'm not saying people shouldn't do wrong. But go read the Bible. Maybe some of you don't read the Bible. Read the Bible. People in the Bible were full of mistakes. But not about Peter. But Paul, I'm telling you, even the forefathers of our faith, but Abraham, Isaac, the things they did, Abraham almost lied about his wife and said, she's not my wife, she's my sister. Because he was trying to protect himself, if they know it's my wife, they will kill me. That's my sister. And you call yourself a child of Abraham? You call yourself a child of Abraham? Listen, Basalan, listen, listen. Let's not allow ourselves to be sentimental people who easily, are easily offended. Every small and nothing, Jenna, you are offended. You leave the church. You, you resign. You, 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 you. <laughs> Listen to what Paul says. He says in, in, in 2 Timothy 2.3, he says, You therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
Learn that even when there's pain, you move on. Even when you are being hurt, you move on. These athletes that will be playing this afternoon, those soccer players, you must listen to the commentators. You'll note that several of those players have injuries, if not all of them. Both Croatians and Batwako France, they all carry injuries. And the only people who have no injury are the spectators. If you want to be a spectator in life, then be oversensitive about hurt and pain. You'll be a spectator of life. But if you're going to play in the game of life, you're going to get injuries. Yeah. And even after you have the injury, you've got to get up. You have no time to nurse your injury. Just get up and move on because God is on your side. Oh, yeah. Number what? Seven. Building on your strengths. Athletes know, if you watch some of the athletes play, they cannot know where their strengths are. And when you watch them play, they know they leverage their strength. I mean, Kevin Anderson is going to play today if you ever watch. He knows that his serve is his weapon. He can serve. I mean, he serves. I didn't convert it. Maybe you can convert it for me. He served at about 240 miles per hour. That's what. That's 240. Can you multiply it for me? Multiply it by 1.4. You can use a, you can use a computer. Kibukai. I mean, you can use a cell phone or whatever you use. Just calculate for me. Multiply it by 1.4. You can't tell me you can't calculate that. 240 multiplied by 1.4. 345. He is serving at 345 kilometers per hour. That's how fast his ball goes. Yeah, 345. If you if you if you if you if you if you don't play tennis, utabara bola ifitin. Orekai barekele mon. But but he knows that his serve is his weapon. So he plays to his strengths. You also, God has filled you with gifts and abilities and strengths. Listen what Paul says to young Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, This is what I remind you. To keep using the gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. Now let it grow as a small flame grows into a fire. Play your strengths. You want to play A-level Christianity? Use the gifts and the talents God gave you. Locate yourself in a place where your gifts and your talents can be leveraged. And be the best that you can be. And in conclusion, number whatever. Number eight, know your potential. Know your potential. These players who win, they'll say, I knew that I could do this. I knew, I knew I could do this. I knew I could get to this level. I knew, I knew I could. You've got to know what you are carrying inside of you. Romans 12 verse 6, it says, we all have different gifts. You are filled with potential. He says, each of which came because of the, of, 
of the grace God gave us. Now watch it. The person who has the gift of prophecy should use that gift. Go ahead and use what God's given you. Mind those gifts. Explore your potential. It's people who explore their potential who live A-level lives. My prayer for us is that God would really be gracious to us and help us. I see God helping you. I'm looking at A-level Christians right now. We're going to move forward in Jesus' name. By your heads, please, let us pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. There may be those of you who are here today. Maybe you have been invited or you have come on your own. But as yet, you haven't invited Jesus Christ into your heart to be the Savior and the Lord of your life. I want to pray for you. When you look at your life, you say, you know what? My life is not pleasing to God. But you want to give God your life and say, would you come into my life, Jesus? And be the Savior and Lord of my life. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you are here and you say, I want to give my life to God. I want to give my life to Christ. I want Jesus to change me and make me a child of God. Please pray for me. Would you raise your hand, please, if that is you? Right where you are, I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. Thank you for those hands. Keep the hands raised, please. Keep the hands raised. This is what it's about. It's about us responding to a God who loves us. A God who takes delight in us. A God who speaks to us because he wants to move our lives forward. You know in your heart you want to be saved. You want God to do something in your life. And and, and there are those who have already raised their hands. Please keep their hands raised. But if you are there, you haven't raised your hand yet. But in your heart of hearts, you you sense, I need to raise my hand. That's God speaking to you. Please don't say no. Don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel shy. Raise your hand. I want to pray for you today. This is how God changes us. Thank you so much. Would you stand, please, everybody who raised their hands. Can you stand on your feet right where you are? Right where you are. Just stand on your feet, please. Thank you. 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 Yeah, give them a hand. This is a powerful thing. This is what we call A-level living. A-level living. You don't hold back. You don't get embarrassed by the things of God. You respond to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to pray for every one of you. I'm going to invite you please just to come from where you are standing and just make your way to the front.